You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to all things fine and gentry. This is the connoisseur French Thompson, and I thank each and every one of you all for tuning in today and joining us for another episode. And to those that are recurring listeners, the connoisseurs, thank you all for being a part of this uh, this family. Please make sure that you're continuing to share this with your uh, network across uh, the world because we worldwide here. And then if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. As the intro said, we just talk about things that uh, help us live a more fine and gentry life. And you can define that whichever way you want to. But um, as we as you listen to the podcasts that have come before this, you can uh, see what we uh, encourage and, and encourage openness of thought and mind and uh, ways that we can expand our lifestyle and go from there. So pleasantries out the way. We are in the middle of our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series, and it has been great uh, being able to talk to so many gentlemen that have uh, influenced my life and people that I've come across. And today is uh, in that similar theme. And I have a, a good friend of mine, a person I've known for years, but we've never really had an opportunity to kind of sit down and talk uh, really until I would say last year, this year, with all of the things that have been going on in the black community. Uh, and he really opened my eyes into some of the perspectives that he has. So uh, today on the podcast, we have Ajibade Fashola. Ajibade, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be here. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So um, as, as we do on the podcast, we give our guests an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves, just kind of tell us where they're from, uh, where they're living now, what they're doing now, and then we'll just kind of dig into your story as we as we go about it. So tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Yeah, so my name is Ajibade, uh, Ajibade Fashola, born and raised in Nigeria. I uh, moved to the States in 2002, um, and I moved to Chicago, Illinois. Um, went to high school in Chicago, went to Morgan Park High School on the South Side, if anybody knows. Um, Obviously, everybody knows famous alumni, Nate Jameson, um, and a few others. Obviously, Jeremiah, <laughs> uh, the, the R&B artist, also went to uh, Morgan Park. But yeah, we, we um, it was a magnet program, so a lot of um, selective enrollment and things like that. So same league as all the, the, the Whitney Youngs and, and, and all those wonderful <laughs> peoples as well. Uh, but left Morgan Park and I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, uh, which is just about an hour, from, hour and a half from Chicago. Um, graduated there, left to Kansas City to uh, pursue a career with with the railroad, actually. And thankfully, it brought me back to Chicago, um, where I'm now chasing other things and, and, and more on the tech side here. Um, but as far as what I like to do with my fun time, I'm, I'm, I'm very heavy into photography. So I, I take that form and function of my engineering background and I, and I pivot on that. Yes, right. And do like photography on 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 the side to kind of keep those, that creative side of my brain still active. Um, lately, it, it it definitely seems like I've been doing more photography. But honestly, the truth is, I've just been posting it more. <laughs> I'm, I'm not keen on sharing my photography half That's the time. Good. Is what I realized. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not producing content, right? That's so, right. Um, right. I'm I'm always working. Even right now, as I sit on my computer, I'm editing. 
Um, so that's, that's, that's typically how my day goes is, you know, sometimes I'll go for a shoot early in the morning. I come back and I'm sitting on my, on my command station editing, or maybe I'm just riding my bike and things like that. But, that's what's um, up. yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm into. Bet, bet. We're going to get into that photography piece. I want to nerd out on some, some photography a little bit later, but, um, <laughs> say nothing. so, uh, so let's kind of get into this. Like, so what brought you and your family to the U S man? So. I, I ended up coming to the state. So like my dad was here and he'd be back and forth and things like that and end up being just one of those trips. I was in Nigeria and I was in Nigeria with my mom's and ended up coming to the States. And it was like, I don't think it was planned that way. Mm. Um, but I remember my dad was like, do you want to stay? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And mind you, I came in 2002. Right. 2000, let's say two. Yeah, 2000. I was almost 12. I remember it was July something, July 20 something. And I moved to the States. And so I'm, I'm not even 12 and I'm making this decision that honestly seems like at the time, like, eh, no big deal. But like, <laughs> that was a life changing kind of decision really to make at that point. So what brought me here really just like education, like the opportunity That's to just up. pursue higher education and things like that. And really just kind of position myself, um, in the right places to just have things happen. And that's one thing I, I think about all the time is I think I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in the sense of like, I'm always at the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, and either it's to meet people or to just take advantage of like certain opportunities and things like that. Like it just like God puts me where he needs me. That's right. Um, and so that said, so he, he put me in the States. And like I said, like at that point I, I was in boarding school and I, I was young going into boarding school. So mm. I was already ahead of the curve a bit. And then I get here and I remember they try to put me into um, as a freshman and at, in high school. And I, and, and I remember they were like, yo, he's too young. He's 11th going into into ninth grade. Like, that's not going to work. And I remember they saying, OK, look, we can put him back and he'll, he'll end up being in sixth grade. And because of my birthday, my birthday is in August. They should have put me in seventh grade, but they put me in sixth. Mm. No big deals because I went to a school in sixth grade. And I'm beasting math, I'm beasting <laughs> science, I'm beasting all these scores. So my teacher at the time, Kim Henfield, I'll never forget. Uh, and I've been looking for her, funny enough. Um, she was like, yo, you should definitely think about taking the selective enrollment test for high schools, so on and so forth. That's what's up. And I took that to heart and I was like, sure. And funny enough, I took the wrong exam. I was supposed to take the one for Whitney Young, but I ended up taking the one for Morgan Park, <laughs> which is fine, right? Because things just ended up working the way they're supposed for me. To. So I yeah, yeah. Um, ended up going to Morgan Park. And I remember it was like, okay, well, as far as college or schools I wanted to go to, and I was just thinking like, the schools I was applying to, like I was applying to Columbia, New York. I was mm -hmm. applying to Vanderbilt. I was applying to all these schools. I didn't apply to any school in Illinois. Like none of the Illinois states were like the ISUs, the NIUs, and those have been great schools. But I remember not wanting to apply to U of I, but I did anyway. And in hindsight, that was like the stupidest thing I could have done because <laughs> uh, uh, bang for buck, like U of I gives you an elite education with an amazing alumni network at a great value. That's what's I, up. Top engineering program of the world. I, I, I did civil engineering at U of I, and we're number one in the, in the country for civil engineering. Right. Among other programs like, you know, chemi, um, industrial engineering, mechanical engineering. Um, our business program is top notch. I mean, it was it's it's a very robust school that honestly, in high school, I couldn't think of why I didn't want to go there. That, that's that, interesting. that was, that that, was that's silly. A, yeah, that, that's interesting. So a couple of things I want to unpack here. Right. So 
you come from you 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 come from Nigeria, right? And you come over to the states, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Hey, this guy is heads and shoulders ahead of where American education says that he should be." I mean, did, did that? I mean, I would say this is probably one of your first insights into America. Um, you know, what what was what did that make you feel or think, or was it kind of too young for you at that time to kind of process? The differences between your uh, Nigerian upbringing versus what was accepted in America. And you know, truthfully, I I I don't. I think um, I didn't take it a, take that as a function of the type of education I was getting in Nigeria. I will definitely say, like, there were definitely topics that I was taking in Nigeria that I didn't take here. Mm. I was taking a a shop class in Nigeria at the time that I didn't take at you um, uh, at Morgan Park. Yeah, you know, so those are the kinds of things that I was getting exposed to, like carpentry and home economics and things like that that I didn't get exposed to at Morgan Park or even until like college and things like that. But mm. all that to say is, even in Nigeria, I was already. Um, ahead of the curve in a way because I was younger than most people my age. Uh, so when I get to the state, yeah, right, yeah. I was two grades, I was two grades ahead of where I should have been in Nigeria because when I went to call it high school in Nigeria, I was already like three years younger than everybody. Uh, oh, so, so, so you child prodigy over here. I wouldn't say all of that, but it was like, <laughs> that was, it was, it was like, that was what I was, it just happened in that way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm happy that it did, but it was like, I don't think I was like struggling, but it was definitely a lot for me because I was nine and I was trying to like keep up. So I was, I was, I was struggling, but again, I'm struggling at a level that I really shouldn't be operating at. That's real. That's real. So then coming here, it was like the same thing was happening again, but now they're like, look, do you want to be a big fish in a low pond or do you Mm -hmm. want to be a little fish in a big pond? Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I'll be a big fish in a little pond. And I went to sixth grade. I'm like, why would I? Because I was already, like I said, I was struggling, yeah. but I was keeping up. But it was like, now I have an opportunity to kind of just like slow down and really take a, a lay of the land and take a survey of the land and say, okay, how do I want to position myself to make sure that like, I, and it's funny because navigating high school, navigating like that going to college process, I was kind of doing that myself. Because yeah. I was just you know, like, at that point, like my dad was back and forth and end up being a point where I was like living with like my cousins and things like that. So it was like, I was navigating all of that by myself. But luckily, I mean, I, I, I want to say like, I just had my head on straight because for me it was like, okay, is, is, is do or bust. Like, is either yeah. I do this right? I end up back in Nigeria or, you know, I do this and I really just go to a good school and do all these. So I was taking AP classes. I took like nine AP classes. <laughs> I was like, I, I need to boost my GPA. <laughs> so I was doing all these things and trying to get all these scholarships and doing all this stuff just to like, make sure that like I did this right. So, and, so, so, so interesting piece that you just said in there is like, Hey, the options were I do this right. And I go back to Nigeria or I do this and I stay here. Was that always in your mind that, you know, the option or the desire to go back or kind of, I mean, how well, did you so more that so pool? the fear, yeah. more so the mm. fear. It was more so like I can I can do this right, or I can end up back in Nigeria yeah, because it. it's like if if it's not working out, if you know you're in school and it's not really working out, and you're not doing well, or you're doing all the wrong things, and you shouldn't. Yeah, you heading back. You you headed back, and it's almost like a punishment. But it's like, all right, we're gonna go get your head on straight because clearly <laughs> it's not on right. That's that's the mentality. So that's I was real. just like, yeah, I'm not. I know what I want out of my life. And it was like, I, I can't, you know, 
So, so, so I was right, like so always. This this is good. Like this is some some interesting dynamic here. So, a couple of questions, right? So you come over here, you're 12. Um, did you all move? Did you did your your dad live in the South Side or where? What part of the city did you all live? Yeah. In? All right. So, so, so you're funny the, enough. Yeah. Go ahead. When you when when I think of like the 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 Nigerian community, there's like the Nigerians that live on the north side, and there's the Nigerians that live out in the south suburbs, like um, Park Forest um, and and like Dalton area and things like that. They all live like in the burbs. I was right in the city on, and I don't know if anybody on my on on on, on the podcast you know, but right on 79th. Mm. and homing by Kedzie. Yeah, yeah. So that was nowhere close to any of the other Africans, really. So 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 what was that like, right? Because I mean, you know, we oh, that we, was lonely. Yeah, well, I mean, lonely. <sighs> Did you feel split off from both communities, right? Because you're not black. Oh, you know, you're, you're not considered oh, American black, right? But then you're also not in this north side community or south suburb community. What was that like as far as trying to um, uh, create your identity or or who you right. are in in America. What was that like? All right, so now we get into the meat. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting. So like seventh grade, like you know, I'm, I'm a paint the picture. Like seventh grade, no sixth grade. I come in. I'm almost twelve. I go to I go to sixth grade, and I'm looking at all these kids. And I'm and I'm I'm right on the south side. Like you know, I'm Auburn Auburn Gresham area. Um, and the school I, I, the sixth grade school I went to was predominantly black. I'm seeing all these kids that look just like me, except they're not Nigerian, right? Mm. So it's like, okay, heavy Nigerian accent. I'm speaking English, but all these kids acting like they can't understand <laughs> me. So that hurt. Um, and so in that moment, I, 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 I was having a very other experience yeah. from the black kids. Yeah. So the black kids othered me really, really quickly. It was like, oh, the African, oh, mm. African booty scratching. Da, 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 da. Mm. And every joke you can think of from coming to America they threw at me right so it was like all right so i didn't understand what was going on but it was just like clearly they're making fun of me and it was like okay i was sixth grade seventh grade same thing you know now i'm in morgan park it's still the same deal like kids are cruel they just you know do what they do um eighth grade same deal freshman year same deal but it's like now these kids kind of know me a bit more so like I like to say my skin is tough. So like, mm. you know, it, I wouldn't say it didn't get to me, but it was just like, I didn't let it bother me. So it was yeah. like, now the joke isn't funny anymore. Nobody's really laughing. So like sophomore year, that was kind of, you know, kind of done. I'm still the African, but like, you know, they're not really joking as much as they used to. And then junior, senior year, things were pretty much copacetic at that point. I didn't have, I'm still having an African experience. I'm not really having a black experience. That's right. I would say I started having a black experience when I ended up doing this program through University of Chicago and there was a very um, mixed group. So at that point it was like kids, white kids, like Hispanic kids, um, kids from like Europe. No, I wouldn't say Europe, but like just like a very diverse background of kids. And, that, and most people that see me, they're not going to see a Nigerian immediately right. until they see my name. Right. They just see a black kid, right? And so that was when I started to realize that, like, okay, things are going to be very different depending on, like, just the setting of, like, where I am and who is all around and who's looking at me, right? Who I'm in conversation with. It wasn't until really, really that I got to the U of I that I started to have a Black experience, right? So now it's just Black kids next to white kids. And I'm in a class. I'm in an engineering class. And maybe it's, like, four Black kids. But it's, like, now the black kids aren't looking at me like, oh, you're that African. They're like, well, you're one of us because all these white people are around. Mm-hmm. So like now I get the, the white experience, not even because of the black kids have ordained itself, 
but really because that's all the white people see when they look at me. They mm-hmm. just see black. So, so, ah, so much to unpack here. Did you ever feel early on that you just wanted to go back? Oh yeah, I'm sure there were times that like I was just like, yeah. Um, I think definitely in the in the very early stages, it was like, yeah, I wanted to go back just because, like I said, it was lonely, kids were cruel, like it was hard um, adjusting. Mm. Even like the foods that I would eat yeah. and like, you know, having to make new friends, like that was tough at sixth grade, you know, coming in and I'm the African. It's one thing like just trying to befriend like Nigerian kids and things like that, but like trying to be- uh, befriend kids who know nothing about me and, and, and all this other stuff, like that was really difficult. So, Mm. So, so yeah it was it so, was it was tough so when you get when you when when you start getting into like u of i and you know you're not not necessarily being lumped in but there isn't this distinction because you're not in a predominantly uh african-american environment but it's just like you said it's white and black um did did you feel I would call it happy to be accepted or was, did you feel that there was a somewhat of a burden released because you weren't necessarily kind of defending yourself the whole way? Or what was that like when you kind of said that you actually started having the black experience? And I will probably say maybe more of the positive side of the black experience versus the negative side potentially. But you know, what, what was that like for you to kind of, I won't say be accepted, but uh, be included mm. in the group? Yeah, I mean, I, I and I would say that like at least somewhere from like junior to like senior year of high school, yeah. I was starting to feel more accepted. Mm-hmm. U of I, half of the reason why I ended up picking U of I was I ended up going on a, a high school visitation trip for NSB for National Society yep. of Black Engineers. Yep. And so we visited for a weekend and they took us to this show. It ended up being uh, this African fashion show. Oh, wow. That was put on by the African Cultural Association. Wow. And that that solidified it for mm. me. I was like, I am coming to U of I. I saw, I saw black excellence when I saw Nesby, like black engineers. It was women, it was guys, yeah. you know, all about engineering, smart at this amazing engineering school with this amazing campus. And then I saw like functional, I wouldn't even say functional, but I saw I saw dope Africans doing like African stuff yeah. at a dope school where I could also get my engineering degree. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm sold. Like I get to have, I get to have my my black engineering experience and I get to be African, like authentically African, not, you know, um, oh, I'm just talking to my accent today. Like, no, I get to like mingle with That's other great. Africans. Mind you, again, I I was I was caught in between because the North Side Africans. And it was out in the burbs. I wasn't seeing them. I wasn't interacting with them. But I saw them at U of I. I was like, oh, yeah. That's good. I was like, oh, yeah, this this is it. So I wouldn't say I was getting accepted as, as the black kid all the way. But it was like when I talk about like having that black experience, it was like now I'm like, oh, so there's there's a lot to like my background that I didn't get to have. So now I'm like, you, 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 if we talk about like the the void in the education system when it comes to talking about like things that happen in slavery, when yeah. we talk about um, like the t- t- uh, Tulsa massacre, where we talk—I mean, even just like the all the different massacres and riots that happen across the globe that are not taught in schools. When we're talking about just like critical race theory and things like that, that are not covered in most American schools. It was like I was having to learn all of those things mm. firsthand in college and then later. 
but it realized like just the rich history that like being black has because while a white person is trying to subject me to a black experience by being by showing microaggression and being racist there's still this like very rich history of like being black that like it's synonymous with like resilience That's so it's like now i'm like okay now i'm like i'm understanding like not like what it means to be black but like I'm getting it, right? Because really, truthfully, one of my biggest issues is like when I think of like calling myself black, is like I don't, I, I don't feel like I have the authority and the right to mm. even say that just because of the strength of which being black, especially in America, means. Like, like I said, like to be a black man in America is to be in a constant state of rage, right? But we have to control that at all times. And so, like, to perform at the level that we do in spite of everything culturally that we've, you know, as, as Black people have had to endure and what we have to constantly think of on a daily basis, that's amazing, right? When this, we think about it from that perspective. But it still sucks that, like, there are people out there that just see just your skin and then put me in a category and, and say that, like, this is going to be the limit of what I have to, to, to uh, uh, um, accomplish. And all of that was what I was learning while I was at U of I. This is so good, right? So, man. I, I, I would assume and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but I would assume I, I can assume or would assume that uh, some Africans, right, first generation like you, you know, coming over here would want to separate themselves from that somehow and be like, hey, that that isn't that isn't my heritage or that isn't mm-hmm. what I am associated with. Right. I have a home. Right. My. I am not yep. an African American. I'm an African in America. Um, yep, yep, yep. You know, so <clears throat> what is that dynamic like in your community, right? In the African community of being lumped in because of your skin color, but culturally, you know, honestly, you you are you are different. Like you said, there's a lot that you had yep. to learn and understand about, you know, your you know the the black people that are here, the African Americans that are here that is culturally just different from from you you didn't you didn't grow up with that in nigeria but coming over here now you're subjected to it and have to be educated to all those things so you know i guess the first question is in the african community and obviously you're not speaking for all africans but in in Mm -hmm. the community that that you had you know was there this um desire to be separate from or was it like hey we're, we're all here we're in this thing together. We just got to work through it collectively. Or, you know, was there this this, this disdain for the African American community because of how that it, you know it impacted you as a person? So, unfortunately, it's a bit of both, right? Okay. And I think we need to talk about like why that is because the reverse is always true. Mm. In some way, black people have this way of like wanting to like separate them from like Africans because. Not even I wouldn't say because, but like in the same way that Africans want to separate themselves from African Americans, African Americans want to separate themselves from Africans. Mm, that's good because, and most of the time, it's what has been portrayed in the media, mm. right? When and at when, and I and I will say stereotypically, right? Yeah, yeah. Stereotypically, what an African American is seeing of African people is all oh, the the huts and the hunting lions, the mm. the dirty part of Africa, and all these things, right? And you know, all the stuff like you see in the media, like all the scams and, and things like that. But then what African Africans are seeing of America, like we're seeing like all the booty shaking, the drugs, <laughs> the crack, 
you know, the, everything you're seeing like hip hop. And again, that's because of the media, right? right? When you think about like how disconnected um, the U.S. and I would just say Nigeria is or was at a time, but let's say in the 1960s or 1970s, 1980s, we didn't know anything about each other. Right, right. So it was like you didn't have really an image of what was going on over there. All you saw was what somebody brought. Mm. If somebody went to Nigeria and took a picture and they brought that back. That was all you saw. You saw one little picture of what was and you took a thousand words from it and you said that's what Africa is. Mm. In the same way Africans do, the same way they see uh, America. And so there's this narrative that has been curated based on what we've been existing from the media. And so now that like we're in this age that like if I really want to see what's going on in Nigeria right now, I can jump on the internet and I can see myself. Mm. And that's when we start to see all these different images of America, of, of Africa, right? We see these beautiful oasises. We see buildings. We see technology. We see, you know, just beautiful Black people thriving and existing, albeit their, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and whatever is going on there. Like, you just see beautiful Black people, a beautiful Black scenery. And in the same way, like, now, like, You've seen all the stuff that's happening in, you know, low income areas in, in, in let's just say, Chicago. Right. But you see all of the dope stuff that like Chicago black people are just doing on a massive scale. Like now yeah. you get to see all of the good, too. Yeah. And so yeah. like this image that we've been kind of building of each other now is like, well, we realize that there's been some um, some fallacy to it. Right. That's good. And so that's why some of that disconnect sometimes happens. But then the other side of that equation is to sit here, right, as a um, African in America who has had a black experience. I, I can't, I can't just sit here and tell somebody like, "Yeah, I'm just Nigerian. I'm not black." That's good. Mm. That's not, I can't I can't say that because I've lived in both worlds now, mm. right? And although sometimes it's like I want to be more honest of where my upbringing is and things like that, that's not to say that I'm not proud to be African American. That's good. That's good. So that it's 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 sometimes it's it's get it's, it's uh, uh uh push and pull, and sometimes I get stuck in I don't belong to either, right? Wow. I'm not really all the way African American. And I'm really now not all the way Nigerian because now I've lived here for what almost 20 years. Yep. So it's like I'm caught kind of caught in, in this in-between how, that how, how does that I feel? don't really I mean, it's like a kid without a home, mm-hmm. but I know that there's also a a, a, a a a community of people that also have having the same shared experience. So That's I'm good. not really alone in that. That's good. That's good. Ooh. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, it's and, tough, and the reason, man. yeah, no, it's it's so it's so interesting, right? Because um, for those on the podcast, as I kind of you know open it up, you know, when you know GBD and I, like we've known each other for you know seven plus years, and we've worked around each other, you know, never uh, on the same team per se, but you know, so I've known of him, he's known of me, um, but it wasn't until this last year as I mean, as everything has happened and I want, I don't even call it an awakening because it's not really an awakening. It's just, um, you can't hide it anymore. Maybe that's the better way of mm-hmm. saying it. Right. It, it's, mm-hmm. it can't be hidden anymore of this racial tension. And we started having these conversations at work and started having these conversations about it. And after one of our, uh, diversity and inclusion calls at our, uh, at our company, his former company, um, you know, we had a, a sidebar about, 
you know, just kind of the frustration of the dialogue and all of this stuff about diversity and inclusion and how we're really not America really doesn't want it. Right. Or at least, you know, yeah. uh, a majority America or in control America, per se, doesn't really want it. And, you know, really started opening up this conversation about, you know, your experience. But I mean, it's very it's very poignant what you're talking about as far as saying, hey, I can't deny this experience that I'm living here. But you're kind of stuck in the middle and you see the it's kind of like you see the double discrimination. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you see you you get the discrimination of being perceived as being just a, you know, an African-American. But you also get, you know, whatever discrimination that may come up of somebody looking at the resume because of your name or somebody, you know, running it to you. You'd be like, oh, well, you ain't one of us. But you're like, yo, I grew up on the south side. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not one of y'all. Right. And, and having to navigate that, but then also being able to articulate that in a corporate environment and say, hey, y'all, we got a lot to do to get better at this, man. This is um, this is a lot kind of just a process and to to kind of have have weighed on. Um, so I guess a question, where, where, where have you seen your experience be? I don't know, call it top notch to where you're like, man, this is this is just great. Right. I know that you, you've created a really good community in Chicago and stuff like that. But where have you felt that you've seen this integration that's done well? And I know you said that a lot of it you saw it at U of I, but out of U of I, when you're not in this called this incubator that, you know, has people that are kind of there for a common purpose. How have you seen it in your adult life of this this marriage of of cultures and community done well that you felt, Hey, I'm here. I'm at home. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can point to any specific place and say, Oh, this has been done. Well, mm -hmm. I will say like Chicago is definitely one of those places that like, um, I, and again, I've only really lived in Chicago for real. Um, I've probably seen it other places when I visit and it's just like this, melting pot of you know cross culture uh integration and things like that but i think it definitely most a lot of major cities or most major cities you will see that yeah and it will happen organically when you have a large population of nigerians or you have a large population of africa a uh, large population of like african and obviously a very strong african-american community like we there, there's so much that binds us then divides us that's good and i think when we when we use nomenclature like african-american and african we start to find ways to make ourselves different mm. but i think about when we when you have to fill things out like the census and if it just <laughs> said african if you never had to say african-american and everybody was just african how we would push back on some of the stereotypes that that's good. um are being portrayed about each other because Black people don't go to each other and say, oh, did you see that that, uh, that, that ghetto thing that they did? And, <laughs> and uh, oh, did you see did you see that that ghetto video that they put out? Like, yeah, you ghetto. Yeah, we don't we don't do that about each other because we'll see something that's not right and that doesn't portray us properly. And we'll push back on that immediately and be like, that's not even us. We don't even do that. Like, that's not what like why you. Oh, like somebody's wearing like uh, uh, some. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. But if somebody is mis misrepresenting right. African-American culture, we, we already know like that's not right. And we don't even we don't even look over there. But if it's something about somebody else, it's like, oh, yeah, look at what 
Oh, them Africans, yeah, they be eating with their hands. Uh, like, right. what? Yeah, but you over here at Harold's. You over here at Harold's. But if it was about us, but if it, exactly, but if it was about all of us, if they were talking about all of us, we would push back on those same stereotypes together. We wouldn't allow anybody to talk about them if they were also talking about us. That oof. But that's not. That's what we don't realize that by them, by us, it's it's, it's that saying. It's a, it's a quote, but it's really a poem, and it was from. Um, I want to say it was from the Holocaust, but it's it's most yeah, it's from the Holocaust. And they said at first they came for the the scientists or something, and we were quiet and we didn't say nothing. And then they came for mm. the chemists, and then they came for so and so, and then they came for so and so, and we didn't say anything. And then finally they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak for me. Oof. So we sit here and we let other people get discriminated on and we sit here and we let other people get talked about and we perpetuate that by continuing to talk about it, by saying things like African booty scratcher and all this other stuff. We let people say all that, but we don't realize that when we do that, we're allowing them to also, we're giving them the agency to then also turn around and talk about us and, and make it seem like, okay, and then telling these other people like, yeah, that's, that's okay, that's normal, go ahead and do that. But then when they talk about us, we want to we wanna feel some type of way about why nobody's coming to defend us. And and typically black people are the first people to defend anybody else. Yeah. Because we know what it's like to be discriminated against. But some but somehow we still sit there and we'll, you know, we'll let other people go through XYZ for the opportunity to because we 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 and I, I think the, the the part of the reason is like we we're so used to being on the bottom that if there's somebody else that can be on the bottom, mm. we're okay to do that. But we don't realize that like we can be building a better foundation together. That's good. The Jeep they dropping dimes, <laughs> nickels, quarters, half dollars. Susan, hey, pick, <laughs> pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. That's good. And that's, that's why, good. like, movies like Coming to America always piss me off because it's like it's satire and it's made to be satire, but that becomes a stereotype. As, as things it becomes stereotype and then people run with it and they think it's funny and they laugh and they think we're all going to laugh together. And it's just like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it wasn't as funny as you thought it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all I mean, the reason I laugh so hard is because when, when Ajibade and I first started talking about the, um, uh, about the podcast and I was like, man, I'm trying to think of a topic or, you know, a title. And I was like, you know, Oh, I could call it coming to America. And he was like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so no good. Way. It's so good because, again, my own ignorance, right? It's satire, right? Yeah, it's, it's part yeah. of that satire. It's just like I, I don't even want to lean into that. That's, we can do so much better than that. That is, but but to to that point, right? Again, the 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 ignorance, and not to call it a negative ignorance, right? But an ignorance of understanding the African experience in America, and you know how, like you said, those types of things set you back. It's the same thing of when I look at you know, senseless crimes in the black community or somebody getting pulled over and, you know, assumptions being made. Right. You just sit here and like, man, like that, that's not, that's not it. That's not reality. That's not what this experience is like or who we are, but to you, what you had stated very you know, early on, like the media portrays this thing and it's not just news media, right? It's all it's entertainment media, et cetera. I mean, honestly, news is entertainment, but it's all of it that, and generates this narrative that unless to your point, unless we are unified in it, we can't collectively push back against and correct the narrative and portray the narrative that is accurate. Right. The 
the incubation of, you know, different neighborhoods, the, you know, black excellence, black businesses, all these things that are that are thriving, you know, to be Mm -hmm. able to counter that that narrative that's out there. That's that's really good, sir. That's really good. All right. All right. So you you've you've uh, you've made us all uh, much more aware of life in general and the way that we need to correct ourselves. But I want to talk a little bit more about your extraordinary gentleman uh, traits. If if those on this podcast haven't just seen over these last uh, several minutes about, you know, why he is uh, an extraordinary gentleman in itself. I do want to kind of just talk about you, uh, you know, as as an entity. Right. So the first time that I met you, I'm like, oh, this dude. All right. He 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 got his stuff together, you know, like, boom, I'm, I'm going to dress crisp always. Right. All these things like, um, you know, sp- speaks very well, like, you know, always on, on top of it. Um, you know, wh- where do you feel that you kind of curated Ajiba Day? Right. You have all of these things that have kind of come together to make you who you are. Where do you when do you feel or where do you feel that you've kind of grew into who you are today and, you know, kind of what contributed to to that development? Um, Man, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm a man of very many hats. Um, and so I think I've always been somebody who was just not necessarily trying to do a lot, but just trying to get my hands on a, a bunch of different things and, and be a jack of all trades or really just be knowledgeable on a lot of things and really be able to hold a conversation on a variety of different topics. Um, I think somewhere in high school, right around sophomore year, I mean, I had years of people were always talking about me and X, Y, and Z be a positive and or negative comments, but I think somewhere around then is just I just stopped caring, mm. and I just I just started to lean into who I really was and what I felt like. So at that point, it was like even just like fashion or just like dressing. I was just like, it's funny because I, I know the impact of like how I, I think it was definitely in high school that I, I knew the impact of like how you present yourself is definitely a lot of how you be perceived. Mm. I did not wear gym shoes in high school except like maybe one time. And I think that was to like take the ACT, the ACTs. That was the only time anybody ever saw me in high school wear gym shoes. And I remember graduating and I wanted, you know, most likely to whatever is I was most likely mo- most sophisticated or whatever you want to call it. And I, I literally was always if it wasn't a polo, it was like a button up. Uh, sometimes I would like wear T-shirts, but I would like T-shirts with a vest. I was always in loafers. Mm. Always like it was never like maybe even now, really, like I wear gym shoes, but I really wear more like chucks. Yeah. Um, really just some all white chucks. That's that's usually my speed. I, I might go a little colorful, but we'll see. Now life's like now I'm kind of settling into like just doing all the things that I want to. But then I was like, oh, like, I just want to be sharp. Like I want to yeah. be sharp, I want to be clean, I want to be all of this. Um, and so that was where I think even just like from how I present myself, like that was definitely somewhere that I um, I knew was very easy to like work on. Um, how I speak, I remember taking a, um, a language and linguistics class at University of Chicago while I was in high school. Mm. And it just kind of taught me, like we had to like give speeches and I was like, there's a way to talk that makes people hang on your every word. That's good. And you see that on in, in all of the people that we love to hear how they speak. Obama is one of those people that, um, when he talks, you know his voice immediately, right? Right, right? He has a way that he speaks that he makes you hang on to his everywhere. And it's actually been broken down by several people. 
He has a cadence. Mm-hmm. It's very slow in the beginning, and it kind of speeds it up at the end. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> That's literally what he does. And people, it's so very easy to mimic because it has a very specific cadence of what he uses and how he speaks. In the beginning, he's really slow, so you're like on every single word. And then he really fast at the end, he's like, oh my God, what did he just say? He just said something. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so things like that. Um, and then really just kind of like my interest, like when we talk about photography, photography was something that I'd always been really excited about. Yeah, well, what, um, what, brought you, what brought you into it? Right. Was it, you know, somebody in family Man, or what? Yeah. Honestly, I can't, I couldn't tell you. I remember my very first camera. I had that when I was about six or seven. It was one of those Polaroid cameras. Mm-hmm. And it was my favorite thing. Like, I would not leave the house without it. And I got in trouble so many times for wanting <laughs> to take it out the house and go to parties with it. But they just knew I would probably lose it. But I'm like, I was never going to lose this. I did lose it. Um, but that was when I left to go to boarding school and I didn't take it with me. And to come back into the house, I couldn't find it. Mm. I don't know. Somebody must have got to it. Somebody moved it or something like that. But that was my first camera. So, um, so, so if anybody's looking obviously at Obviously, at that yeah. point in time, like cameras were expensive and things like that. At least a good camera. I didn't get my hands on a good camera until in high school, senior year for yearbook. So I was like a freelance photographer for the yearbook. I would just like go to events for them and take pictures and then just drop off the memory cards like Peter Parker. Right. <laughs> Peter. Um, no, honestly, <laughs> that was my thing. I would go. He would say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'd, I'd say, oh, X, Y, Z. Oh, you want to take pictures at X, Y, and Z? I'm like, yeah. So I would take the picture, the camera, take pictures Friday for him, and then I would keep it all Saturday and Sunday and just play with the camera and just like do different things. And it was until I got back to Chicago and it was like, okay, I'm settling into this very adult life in Chicago. What are all the things I'd always enjoyed? Photography was one of them, right? That's it was good. a hobby at the point in time and it was something I was like, you know what? I really want to take this seriously. I really want to you know, just like do something with it, like make it a real hobby. It just happens to be something that I get paid for now. So, 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 so your photography, right? If anybody, you know, will follows you and will, you know, get your, your social uh, handle at the end of this, it's kind of direct and bold. Your portrait photography is really just like you, you, you I mean, I, I'm a photographer as well. Um, but, you know, you, you can tell some people's portrait photography one way or the other. Some people, you know, very, um, very soft backgrounds, et cetera, like that. Like you don't use a lot of, a lot of bokeh, you know, you're not stepping down to 1.4, 1.2. Your stuff is just kind of sharp and bold and direct kind of what, where do you feel that that's, that that's come from in regards to how you express yourself in your photography? Um, I mean, I think for one, when it comes to like, even, so yeah, I don't step down to 1.4. I think most of the pictures I've taken recently are probably at like, 11 mm. or 10 mm. at least higher than seven um because i'm really trying to capture a very dramatic background yeah. and image as well like depending on the image like i'm picking backgrounds that not necessarily are I, and I, let me back up i don't want to say that the background is dramatic but it's it's a statement for right. which the foreground is supposed to play against right and the subject matter is the 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 the, the person is the subject matter of that shot but that background can't be too distracting and ought to complement what is ideally going on in the foreground. Now, there'll be times I'm shooting at 11 and I still blur out the black background a bit just to kind of dramatize like that person. But that's me, again, being that direct and bold. Because really where I'm trying to lean more into other than like just like portraiture work, which is what I love, 
it's kind of like editorials. Mm. Um, so editorials, they're shooting at F11. They have these amazing background or, um, or backdrops that they are curated, yeah. very carefully curated either through like, you know, you, you see people, they, they book spaces on like Pierce space and things like that. Right. One of my favorite photographers, Tyo, Tyo Jr. On Instagram, like he is fire, <laughs> fire. Sometimes it's a plain background, but like there's something about it still, right? That's good. You love the background. That was one. It was just um, this red, almost orange gradient background, and that there was just this black circle that he kind of like did around it, and it's this amazing image on the foreground. I'll send it to you, French. It is beautiful. That's dope. Like That's wow. Dope. How how can you? What what popped into your mind to like have this idea? That's something that my mind always goes to. But I love my approach at work just because I just love that subject matter of just like people um, and always putting people in, in positions where like they don't see what it is that I see. And then I present them with this vision of what I what I see or what I saw and then being blown away. That that is satisfaction for me. <laughs> that's. Whew, that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. Now. All right. So last question. What's next for Ajiba Day, right? You, you've, we, we've heard your story, right? And kind of how you've curated your life in a way that you are very, very comfortable, very pleased pursuing the passions that you have and, and, and all of that. What's next for you? Man, honestly, I, I don't even know. I'm um, like, we kind of, kind of uh, alluded to a bit. I'm, I'm settling into a new job right now that I am 1000% thrilled about. Um, it's been, I think this is week five. So far, end of week five, and it's been great. Um, I love it. Um, as far as like photography, um, like I said, I, I'm getting back into a flow of like really just like one producing content and really sharing that content. I realize the power in, in in sharing my content because it it puts me in conversations that I may not necessarily be having with people, but at least they're like, hey, Ajiba, that he takes pictures. Like we should get him to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm at the fore foreground a lot of people's minds when it comes to their photography needs and that's dope and i'm really just hoping that it just brings like opportunities to like just create again like just dope content um yeah other than that like i mean that's what's up to be frank i'm about to i'm about this bread so like <laughs> any any type of any type of um, investments and things like that that's that's where my mind is at but really really more important than that um really just make an impact. Like I really just want to make, um, and it's not impact in the sense like at a, at a, at a global or a national or like a world scale. Like I'm not looking to change the world. Right. I'm yeah. really just trying to just have like meaningful and genuine interactions with people and just have an impact from that perspective. Cause you never know what that person's going to go on to do with that. And so I just want like my moments and my interactions with people to just be meaningful and to have value. That's what's so up. That's kind of where my, my, my optics, my perspective on what's next really is, is just to right now lean into the things that make me happy. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, one thing I don't have to worry about right now is a job I don't like. And I didn't realize how much that weighed me down in the past. Mm. So now I just have so much opportunity to just do all the other things that I like. And I'm, now I'm re rediscovering who I am and what it is that I like. I haven't traveled in a while. So I guess it's time to do all of that. Like just... That's what's up. Yeah. It's time to live for real now. So. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ajiba Day Fasola, man. I appreciate you for being on the on the podcast today, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. And definitely glad to be here and have this this conversation. Uh yeah, super excited. And 
yeah, it was an absolute, absolute pleasure. That's awesome. Well, man, I'll let you let you get to it. Summertime shine, living it up. Um, <laughs> hey, know. If, if anybody wants to connect, right, be it somebody that has a shared experience of yours or somebody may want to book you as a uh, as a photographer or just wants to connect, how might one find you on social? Um, my 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 Instagram handle is a Fashola. So a F A S H O L A. Um, that's probably your one stop shop to connect on my photography page or to see my my photography website. That'll get you where you need to. Awesome. Um, yeah, well, let's talk. Awesome. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of All Things Fine and Gentry as we are continuing on in our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And uh, if you all didn't get it in the first five minutes, hopefully the <laughs> the whole podcast you you've uh, seen why Ajibade uh, is one of one of the members of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We would love for you all to share, like, rate, review uh, this podcast. Share it amongst your your uh, your uh, network. If you share it on on social, we'll make sure that we uh, repost it and tag you. Love for you all to be become followers and um, and listeners, part of the connoisseurship here, uh, and become a part of it. Uh, after uh, beyond that, we thank you for tuning in. And uh, be, be ready for our, our continuation of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen next week. And beyond that, we'll see you after a while.